The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premier Dance Network. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premier. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 16 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Shalom, hola, bienvenue, sawadiha, or whatever greeting you require. <laughs> Happy Friday, and welcome back to another episode of to Chat Talking Dance. So much has been happening over the past few weeks, I cannot even keep things straight. I have not had a day off for two weeks. I don't think we're going to have another one off for another two weeks. So my brain stops functioning during this. That would be the reason why. <laughs> but I've been focusing on choreography lately outside of my very full teaching schedule. And I've been given a few exciting opportunities to continue developing my work. This evening when this episode posts, I'll actually be showing a new pod de deux that I choreographed at Mark Morris dance center in Brooklyn as a part of their shared space program, which is this great thing that I'm doing that, where they offer artists subsidized rentals and an informal works and process showing. I'm creating a pas de deux to Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring. And I was able, uh, what is it? It's Tuesday when I'm recording. So um, thus far, I've gone about 11 to 12 minutes of choreography done out of 34 minutes. It's a very, very long piece. Um, but I'm really pleased with everything. It's been very exciting to to get that done. If you want to see little clips of it, I've been posting clips on my Instagram account. And it's at bcarolis, B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S. Uh, but yeah, I also recently found out that my pas de deux from Distinct Perceptions, which I choreographed at the National Choreographers Initiative, uh, will be shown at the Steps Performance Lab at Steps on Broadway on Saturday, April 27th. 
I'm getting closer to getting my own thing started, and these are wonderful steps in that direction. Uh, so it's been very exciting and gratifying and all of those good feels. I'm, I'm tired, but excited about what the future has to hold. I was actually thinking after I'm done with this podcast episode, I don't usually come home uh, between teaching my classes on Tuesday. I usually go to the gym and usually have a meeting or work on something else or take class. Uh, but since I'm home recording, I was like, if I get this done fast enough, maybe I could take a nap. Eh, unlikely. <laughs> anyway, other than these exciting developments, my class schedule is remaining the same for the time being. So I've got my Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays and Broadway Dance Center. Uh, I should also probably mention that I have two weeks available in June and most of the month of August available at the moment, which is really strange. I don't usually have free slots in my schedule. But if anybody that is listening is interested in bringing me out for master classes for a week or so of summer intensives or for any choreography, uh, I, I have availability. So like I said, it's rare for me to have this much unscheduled time. So be sure to reach out if you have interest and we can chat. You can either send me a message on social media uh, or you can visit my website at www.barrycorollis.com. You can go to my contact page and reach out to me there. All right, so it's funny. I was riding the train home from Greenwich yesterday, and I, I it took me like a half hour to come, come up with a podcast topic for this week. And then like when it hit me, it was like ideas just started flowing. So I, I had to give this one a little thought, but then once I, I actually got the, the concept and the, the topic, it, it was pretty pretty straightforward from there. So I'm going to talk about a bit about my career today because I think sometimes when we share our own stories, uh, it can be helpful to other people when they are going through their own experiences. Um, I, I haven't had like the most straightforward pathway to a dance career, and then even like within my career, I haven't had a straightforward path. Uh, road to getting to my wishes and dreams <laughs> but I um I've generally always gotten some version of what I've dreamt of um but it's it's been interesting because there have been many controversial moments in my career um or the in the pathway to my career and I, I wanted to share a handful of those today I I've talked about a few of these really uh much with much more focus um like specifically i talked about how my career came to an end i've talked about burning bridges and things like that um on different podcasts um this one i'm going to share more information i might even touch upon those uh, if you are interested in hearing more in depth conversations on those um specific ones you can go back through my archives and just and just find them i think one is called burning bridges and the other one was uh I was something like my Oakland ballet experience or my career ending injury. I'd have to go back through my archives and look. Um, but yeah, so today I'm going to talk to you about controversial things in my career. And granted, some of these are like, you're going to listen to them and you're going to be like, controversial, Barry? Yeah, okay, whatever you say. Um, but some of them, I mean, really were quite, quite controversial. So let's get started with one that's not so much. We're going to start at the beginning. How did I get started in dance? Um, most people have a straightforward entry into the dance studio. Either their parents put them in dance as an activity, 
or the kids go to see a show or see something on TV involving dance and ask to go to, to take class, things like that, or siblings in dance, and then they ask to join their sibling, things like that. Um, mine kind of runs along that, that same line of a story, but not quite. I, um, I didn't like <laughs> ask to take dance and I wasn't like inspired by seeing something to take dance. Essentially what happened was when, uh, my sister was about, I think she was like four something like that. I can't remember exactly how old we were. That tells you how tired I am. Um, but yeah, so, uh, she was taking a dance class and I, I think she was four and I was two. That's what it is. Um, she was taking a dance class and my mom would wait in the lobby with me while she was in the studio and I was getting rambunctious and I was, I don't know, probably a bit obnoxious. And I kept on running into my sister's class too interrupt it. I don't know why. I don't know if I wanted, I mean, I was two, I can't remember these things, people, but I, I was, I would run into the class and I would interrupt it. And it's interesting because I mean, if that happened to me, I don't know if I would be as intelligent as the teacher, um, that saw me running into the class was, uh, but I would see it as like a rude disruption, but, um, the teacher that was responsible for the class, she kept on seeing me running in. And finally, one day after, I guess, getting tired of it, she turned to me and seeing a boy wanting to run into a dance studio, um, which was not common in the suburbs of Pennsylvania. And what, a, what was it? 1986. Um, <laughs> she saw an opportunity and she said, Hey, if you can stay in this class and you can focus and pay attention, then you're welcome to stay. And after that I stayed and I kept on dancing and I haven't stopped dancing since. So I didn't have like a, I guess a common entry into the dance world. I just kind of did it. <laughs> and I, like I said, it's funny because I don't really remember it, but I guess I've been involved. Just, I wasn't even thinking of this. I've been involved in the dance world since I was two. So, wow, it's over 30 years. It's kind of crazy to think about it. I feel like I was just like 16 yesterday. All right. How I fell in love with ballet. So, um, this one was, again, not like crazy controversial. I feel like they get more and more controversial the further along my career we get. Um, so, I went to a recreational dance school um, I, I transitioned from the one that I kept on interrupting. Um, by the time that I was like seven, I started going to Chester Valley Dance Academy. And, uh, I took like a ballet class once a week until I was eight or nine. And then I added a hip hop class. And then by the time that I was 12, I started adding other classes. Um, so I did like tap first and modern dance and things like that. And I really, really fell in love with modern dance. I was, by the time that I was 15, I was performing with a local professional company in the Philadelphia area called uh, Contemporary Dance Theater. So I was like, I am a modern dancer. I would take classes Monday through Saturday and then Saturday afternoons and Sunday all day, I would have rehearsal with Contemporary Dance Theater. And I just loved it. I was like, this is my future. And I'm 15 and I am a professional. Um, <laughs> that's kind of like how I looked at it. Um, so there was this opportunity. Was I 15? No, I was, f was I 15? 
I can't remember ages today, people. I was 14 or 15. I think I was 15. Um, but yeah, so there, one of my teachers, one of my ballet teachers, she danced with the Russian Ballet Theater of Delaware, which was in Wilmington. It was a nice, small, little company, about 10 dancers with a lot of money. So it was, they had some very lavish, uh, interesting productions. But um, they were doing a brand new Nutcracker choreographed by Robert LaFosse from Principal New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater. Um, and the my, my teacher, she suggested the director that I audition for this Nutcracker because she thought it would be a great opportunity. Um, now, the dates for the show were conflicting with, and the rehearsals were conflicting with my rehearsal schedule for contemporary dance theater and i <laughs> i remember like hearing it and being like cool but like i'm already doing nutcracker here i don't need to do another nutcracker but though it is cool that there's eight shows and they're like well you can probably do both together and i talked to the director of the modern company and she said it would be difficult to like really do both together so i was like well i am committed to contemporary dance i'm not going to even consider auditioning for russian ballet theater of delaware um so I ended up in a few nice talks, nothing like too dramatic, with the director of my school and my mom, and they ended up forcing me to go to the audition. And I remember being like, I am, I'll do the audition, but if I get it, I'm not doing it because I already have rehearsal. Um, so I ended up going and having a really good time and getting a, I was the nutcracker, and then I, I was an understudy for Chinese, which was a company dancer role, so that was very exciting, and it wooed me to to do it, so I did it, and um, it was an amazing experience, and Robert LaFosse worked with us because he was choreographing it, and then I remember when we got to the theater, uh, the marzipan dance was danced by four students from the School of American Ballet. Um, and I remember them being at bar and overhearing them talk about like being at SAB and I asked them some questions and they were like, yeah, like we go there, we take class like all day and we like do school in the pockets where we're not taking ballet class. And I was like, you get to dance like all day long. That's crazy. Um, and I had a great experience doing the Nutcracker and that with that information, I started to like think, well, maybe ballet is what I want to do. Um, so I, at that point, I started to do some research and I, I think that January and February I auditioned for like two summer programs and got rejected. So that was that. <laughs> and then I, I started to focus more on my ballet training at that point and I really started to fall hard for ballet. Um, so I didn't have like a straight, just like getting into the studio, I didn't have like a straightforward path to falling in love with ballet. Um, but uh, I made it there. <laughs> so, okay. Um, next I, so I, after that year, I was like, okay, I'm going to audition everywhere for summer programs. Cause I'm going to be a ballet dancer. I'm no longer going to be a modern dancer. I want to do ballet. Um, and at the time I also had been, uh, I had been, uh, what's the word demonstrating for Bob Rizzo. He, um, he's got Rizbiz productions, which is like educational dance videos. And he used to do master classes all across the country. And I would travel with him and I would, uh, demonstrate for him because he had some hip pain. I think he needed a hip replacement at the time. Um, so 
I was like kind of between a modern dancer and working towards a potential career in musical theater. But then when I fell for ballet, I fell hard and nobody could stop me. Um, so yeah, I, I started auditioning that next year when I was 16. Um, and I either, <laughs> I wasn't very good. I either didn't get in or I got no scholarship. And the thing is like being a male at that time, especially where there were fewer males and like body types were not as far along as they are now. Now, like there are more expectations for, for young men in in ballet training when it comes to having a career. Um, there was less of that, but I was that bad. I either didn't get in or I got no scholarship. So there were like a few schools. I think I got into Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. I got into Houston Ballet Academy. Um, I didn't get into School of American Ballet. I don't think I got into San Francisco Ballet. Like there were a handful of other small ones that I did. But so I, I got into the, the now defunct Pennsylvania Governor's School for the Arts which took place, I think, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, my mom really wanted me to go there because my family didn't have any money when I was growing up. Um, so, And we couldn't afford to pay any of the other places. I had like a small partial scholarship to Houston Ballet that covered like a small portion of my housing. Um, and then I also got like a very, I think I got a small scholarship to Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. Uh, their, their school. But my mom was like, Pennsylvania Governor's School for the Arts. We, can, we can't afford anything and that's fully covered. So you're going to do that. Um, and she had also gone there for singing. Um, and it was apparently a quite, quite a good program for singing. Um, I was not going to Pennsylvania Governor's School. In my mind, I was like, I don't care. Like I will do whatever it takes to make I wanted to go to Houston Ballet. <laughs> um, so I was like, I will do whatever it takes to make Houston Ballet happen. Um, I felt that Pennsylvania Ballet, sorry, Pennsylvania Governor's School didn't have any like real connection to a company. And if I wanted to be, dance professionally, I needed to go to a school that had a company. Um, so I somehow convinced my mom to let me go to Houston. Um, we, we had a handful of conversations and we, we were able to get my grandmother. My grandmother, uh, she very generously agreed to pay for my flight to and from Houston. And then we actually sent snail mail letters to local businesses and friends asking them to if they would donate to help me go. Um, essentially, what we did was like the equivalent of an old school Kickstarter campaign. Um, <laughs> we didn't have like an online website with like a page that told you how much you made and for people to write notes and for us to say like, thanks for making me go this far. We pretty much I, I developed a, a, a letter and we sent it to businesses like car dealerships and uh, local grocery stores and dance uh, dance wear sh shops and things like that and asked if they would donate. And honestly, like I was I'm, to this day, I'm still pretty impressed that uh, we were able to to gather enough money to send me to that summer program. It was. My, my my mom was able to kick some money into that and then we just used the generous support of other people to, to get me to my first ballet summer intensive. It's kind of crazy. So yeah, uh, moving down the line of controversy. <laughs> um, so I I went for that summer to Houston Ballet Academy and they actually, I was in level seven of level eight and they asked me to stay for the year on program. Um, but my mom refused to let me go because A, we couldn't afford it, and B, she said that I had to finish high school before I was allowed to leave home. 
I was only entering my junior year, so that meant that I had two more years left of school, and I was convinced that she was ruining my career. Um, today, I'm, I'm grateful because I feel like I at least socialized. Uh, I became a little bit more like socialized than I would have been if I left home that early, so I, I feel like I... I had a better grasp on like interacting with people because I feel like sometimes when kids leave home early and they don't go into like a typical academic environment that sometimes their social skills can be kind of off. I mean, maybe my social skills are kind of off, but I, and I'm just saying this thinking that I'm like totally normal, (laughs) but I can't tell you I'm just me. I I don't get to talk to me outside of me. But yeah, anyway, I'm just sidetracking now. So uh, I was convinced that she was ruining my career because I felt like not only was I not getting to go this year, what she had told me meant that I was going to have to uh, not go away the next year. And I had clearly outgrown the school that I was dancing at. Um, So yeah, after years of being an angelic child, like easygoing, carefree, like kind and loving, I became the most angry, sullen teenager you'd ever meet. Um, <laughs> I remember saying like certain like I, I I was just nothing could make me happy because I was convinced that my life was being destroyed. So yeah, while complaining to one of my best friends a week into the school year, she called me one night. Um, so my friend Lauren. Miss Lauren Bentley, she uh, and I had been, we were in preschool together and then we didn't see each other in elementary school. Or I guess we were in elementary school till second grade and then they split schools. We didn't see each other until middle school. We ended up dating for a short period of time and then not talking for a year and then becoming best friends. Um, that's a fun, quick rundown of our story. So uh, Lauren's dad was the superintendent of the school district that I worked at. And I, her, her family was always so generous and kind and supportive, uh, of me. And I I had been complaining in one of our, our classes, our junior, the beginning, like the first week of our junior year, um, about how my mom was destroying my career and how I had gotten this amazing offer and how could anybody turn that down? And she, so she had called me one night and she was like, Hey, my dad wants to talk to you. Um, so we ended up going over to their place, I guess, the next night or the night after that. And my mom, her dad, and the two of us sat down and he said, I, there are certain loopholes that I cannot get past with the, the school district and the way that we have to do things for the government. Um, but I have put together a new schedule for you. And if you do this and you take one class via correspondence, you can graduate within one year so that you can go on and fulfill your dreams to be a dancer. I mean, that's crazy. Like how amazing was that? Like I didn't even ask for them to do that, but they, out of the kindness of their hearts and generosity did this for me. Um, and I looked at it and I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I, it was so at this point, I guess it was like a week and a half into it, into the, the school year. And I was like, I have to start over on every single class. So I was nervous because I was like, I'm going to be almost two weeks behind in every single class that I'm in and then dancing every day of the week. Um, And I'll get to something else in a second that I was doing. Um, But I took that schedule home. I I talked to my mom and we decided to do it. And I played catch up and then I killed myself for an entire year. Um, So 
through the two of them, I was able to do uh, the course load for one for two years in one year. Um, and then to make up for the loss of uh, not being at Houston Ballet Academy, my dance teacher, Miss Kim, or Kimberly Martin, um, she practically adopted me on the weekends. Um, so I would take class on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at my local studio in Pennsylvania. On Thursdays, my mom or my dad would drive me an hour and a half down to a studio in Wilmington, and I would take from Miss Kim and another teacher down there. And then she would drive me halfway home and my mom would pick me up. And then on Friday, I would take uh, again at uh, my, my local studio in Pennsylvania. And uh, yeah, and then Saturday, sorry, Friday and Saturday, I would take at my local studio. But Saturday, I was only there until like early afternoon. And then Miss Kim would take me home and I actually had a, a room in her apartment and she would give me private lessons. She would coach me for Youth Micro Grand Prix. Uh, she would coach me in pas de deux so that I was getting partnering. Um, and on Saturdays and Sundays, I lived with my dance teacher. Um, so the way that I was able to really progress in my training and to finish school early was really just like this massive effort among many people. My mom, my dance, my main ballet teacher, and uh, my the superintendent of our school district. Uh, so I feel very lucky that I had these people in my life that really saw something in me and wanted to help me out. Um, I'm very grateful for that. But it, again, not straightforward. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious. I'd be curious to hear other people's stories uh, of how they, they got a dance career because I'm curious if they're more straightforward. Like, oh, I took classes at the school. I fell in love with it. I ended up summer program, went to the school year thing, my family could afford everything, and then I was really talented at audition, and I got into the summer program, sorry, I got into a company, or I was in the school for two years, and I got into the company. I'm curious if that's like the typical story, or if more of us have uncommon stories like this. So yeah, okay, so I finished my junior year, I had gotten into a handful of summer programs, um, still wasn't able to get in the school American ballet. So I went to, that was like my dream because of this, those, uh, those ladies that came down to dance with Russia ballet theater of Delaware that inspired me to become a ballet dancer. So I got rejected again from school American ballet, but I got into Houston ballet, uh, on a, I think it was a full scholarship that year. Um, and I had also gotten into American Ballet Theater's Orange County Summer Intensive, and it was the entire month of August, so it didn't uh, interfere with the Houston Ballet Academy, so I ended up actually going to both. Um, I had like five days off between summer programs. Um, but yeah, so I went back to Houston Ballet Academy, and I got offered to stay for for the year again and in the top level, and I was asked to stay in their brand new dormitory, which was like a house with like five five boys and five girls. Um, and I was so thrilled. I was able to maintain my technique and get better and keep that spot. So I, I agreed. And I, I, I said, yes, I will come do this. I'm just going to this American ballet theater summer program. So I'm going to be a few days late because the school year started at the end of August. Um, so I had my five days off after the summer program at Houston ballet. And then I went to, uh, American ballet theater and, while I was there, it was one of the best summers of my life. <laughs> and I made such good friends and I had such a great experience. And two of those friends were uh, going to the School American Ballet for the year. And I was like, oh, 
I would just love to go there. And they're like, well, we think that you could do it. And I was like, okay, well, let me see. And I talked to my mom and I was like, I just don't feel like I can go to Houston anymore. If I'm going to train, I want to train somewhere close to New York or in New York because I feel like that's where all the auditions are. I don't want to be stuck in the middle of the country. And these are all just like me projecting my own fears upon myself. Um, So I convinced my mom because I had three days between coming home and moving to Houston. I convinced her on the second day to drive me up to the School of American Ballet. We had talked to them. They let me do a a private audition um, and told me that I could find out the next day. Uh, So it was like a private group audition. There were like maybe, I think, five or six of us in that audition class. So I did the audition came home. The next morning, I called them from my mom's dollar store. She doesn't have that anymore. But uh, I was in the back room. I called them and I was like, hi, my name is Barry Corollis. I am calling to get my audition results. And the registrar goes, no. And I said, excuse me, I'm sorry, but they said that if I called today that they would give me that they would give me my results because I'm trying to decide because I have to go to Houston if I'm going to go there um, in the next few days. And she said, sir, those were your results have a good, she goes, goodbye. And I, I was like, wait, 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 excuse me. Is there, is there anything that on, in the notes that can say exactly why I'm not being accepted? And she said, the notes say large quadriceps and generally poor technique. Goodbye. Have a good day. And she just hung up the phone on me and I sobbed and I told my mom, like, I just don't think I can go to Houston Ballet. It's funny. So I had this like major opportunity with this great school and I was like freaking out like I can't go. Um, So I convinced my mom to let me audition for the Kirov Academy of Ballet. And (laughs) we called them up that that same morning and or afternoon and scheduled a, a private audition for the next day. Just me. So we drive down the next day to, to go to D.C. Like, look at all this crazy stuff my mom did for me. <laughs> we drive down to, to D.C. the next day, and this is like a Friday. Um, I was supposed to fly out, I think, on Sunday to go to Houston. Um, we go. I auditioned. It was Madame Vinogradova. She spoke barely any English. Um, I did the audition. It was like a short half-hour audition. And afterwards, she pulls my mom in the studio. She goes, Ugh. Slow year for boys. We take but very little scholarship. (laughs) And we were like, well, we can't afford to. uh, We're like, we can't afford to pay for this. Um, So can we pay it in a, what do they call that? In an installment plan. Um, so we can have time because we're going to try to get somebody, some people to sponsor sponsor me. Um, so they said, okay, we don't usually do this, but we'll do this. So um, Friday was the audition. I went home on Saturday and packed all my stuff. I called Houston Valley and apologized that I would not be coming. And I left on Sunday for the Care of Academy of Ballet, which was September 9th, 2001. So... <laughs> This is like going back and like thinking about these stories and then sharing them out loud. They're just really crazy stories. So, okay. So, um, one of the requirements to being in the dorms at the Care of Academy Ballet was that you had to be in academic classes while you were there. And I was finishing a physics correspondence course. Uh, yeah, we did it by paper, like mail it in. But I was finishing a correspondence course and that once I was done with that, I got my, I would get my diploma with my graduating class in Coastville, Pennsylvania. Um, 
but they said if you want to stay in the dorms, you have to take classes. So um, we had academics in our building. So I just took like Russian one semester and government the next semester. And I actually ended up just getting my diploma from the Care of Academy of Ballet. But my my transcripts hadn't gone from Coatesville to the Care of Academy of Ballet yet. So I didn't do any academic classes the first week. Um, so yeah, on that Tuesday, like the first, on the Monday, we were doing like body screenings um, to see like, to prevent injuries and to see like what our turnout was and our flexibility and whatnot. Um, and then on Tuesday, academics started and ballet classes started and i remember being in the computer lab and two of the teachers were sitting at the computer lab because they were on and off uh they weren't on on teaching during that period and they were whispering about like a plane hitting something and i thought they were talking about the washington monument like it was small little like one engine or two engine plane uh somehow flew into the washington monument um, so then I just like kept on going about my thing and then all of a sudden everybody was called into a, a meeting in the, the main studio there, one of the main studios there and we're all sitting there and people are somber and the director, uh, I think it was the counselor in the school was saying, we don't really know what's happening. Um, we know that there are some parents in danger cause there were a couple of families involved in this. Um, so they said, we, we, we don't know if we have to stay here or if we have to leave. We're just kind of like holding in place and waiting for more information. And they were like, does anybody have any questions? And I raised my hand. I had no idea what was going on. It was September 11th. Um, so that day was just insanity. We had a student that's dad owned a business at the World Trade Center and um, other people with family in New York. And we uh, we were only a few miles away from the Pentagon, actually drove by the Pentagon that day. It was just a crazy, crazy day. And to have like so much in my life change at that point, like knowing I was going moving away from home and then changing my plans last second and then uh, having all that rejection and then deciding, getting into the Kirov and then moving within two days and then two days later, September 11th happened. Um, so I was able to get somebody to sponsor me. It was actually the former direct, executive director of uh, Russian Ballet Theater of Delaware because the company had folded. She had uh, found a sponsor in Denver for my first month of training, and she was on a plane on September 11th flying to Denver to pick up that, that, spons- that, that sponsor's check. And she was actually grounded. I think it was in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and when they finally lifted the like no-fly uh, zone across the country... Um, and she flew back to Den. She flew to Denver. The sponsor said, "Too much is happening in the world. I don't feel comfortable giving money away." So they actually decided to renege on, on that sponsorship. So we told the we told the Care of Academy of Ballet this, um, and they said that they were willing to wait a bit to see if to, so that we could like figure out how to pay. And after the first month, and we couldn't figure it out, they gave us an extension. And then by the second month, I had made such an impression on them that they granted me a full scholarship to the program for the rest of the year. Um, so it sounds like everything is like all great and hunky dory, and it felt like it was until our graduation day. Um, and our graduation day coincided with our uh, end of the year performance. And that morning, my family had come into town. They pulled when my mom showed up. They pulled her, um, she, her. She, they pulled her and, and me. That's not proper English, but they pulled us into the executive director of the school's office, and he said, "So, 
Um, we will give you uh, what looks like your diploma today, but you won't get your diploma until you pay us the like $12,000 that you owe us for your training. And we were like, we don't understand what you're talking about. You granted us um, a full ride. And my mom was not in Pennsylvania where she had the document that said that she was in DC, so she couldn't go get it. Um, and they said, well, we don't have, we don't know what you're, t- what you're talking about. We don't have any like document documentation of that. And it's not like we had emails at the time. It was a little bit before that. Um, so we, we, we couldn't just pull up an email. Everything was sent like on paper. So that was like a horrible day. I had a horrible graduation day that was like fake graduation. And then I just had to suck it up and perform at my best. And the, the performance went really, really well. I did Don Quixote, Pas de Deux with Melissa Hogue, who's now a principal with uh, Norwegian National Ballet. Um, but it was like my whole graduation was dampened by this news that I technically wasn't graduating with my class because I owed $12,000 to the school. But a little crazy thing happened. Um, there, we had a new resident advisor, um, because we all, we had dormitories there. So there were always resident advisors. And this one was like the the manager of the the advisor. She had just taken over the position like a month prior. Um, and we had bonded and she, we told her what was going on. And during the workshop performance, cause it was in our, our black box studio in our, in our school, she snuck into the executive director's office and found the document that they had been hiding, um, that they actually did award me a full scholarship. Um, and she, quietly during intermission gave it to the executive director and told my mom and at the end of the performance they walked up to me and they gave me my diploma so it's crazy i mean this stuff is crazy you can't even make it up um (laughs) so that's how i ended up graduating from the care of academy of ballet so that was controversial I haven't even gone to my career yet. I'm going to try to speed this up. How we're already 36 minutes in. This is going to be a long one, folks. All right. So, um, one thing that I left out. So when I was at the care and I've talked about this before, so I'll tell this one quick. When I was at the care of Academy of ballet, um, we would all audition for summer programs together in DC. And we had like a short bus that they would drive us on. We'd put on our like care off sweatshirts and walk into the auditions completely turned out and like stretch each other and not talk to anybody. It was, <laughs> it was kind of, I mean, we could have been nicer. I'll just put it that way. But um, I didn't want to audition for SAB because I'd been rejected so many times. And that last one was pretty painful. But my my friends were like, we're all going. You should go. And you're not even going to care. You can just have fun and enjoy the class. Um, so why not do that? So I went to the summer program audition. And the director of the school, Kate Mazo, was there. And she was the one who ran my audition uh, previously with that very, very harsh rejection from the registrar. Um, and... So I did the class carefree, didn't care, was like, I don't care. Even if they let me into the school, I'm not going to go. I'm going to, I was planning on going to San Francisco Ballet for the summer. Um, and she, after the audition, she asked me to stay and she was like, wow, you've improved so much. I, I remember you, um, based off of what I've seen today, I'm offering you a full ride to the, the year, sorry, to the summer program. So I got full scholarship to school American Ballet. My dream was to go to SAB and all of a sudden I was getting to realize it. So I decided to go to SAB for the summer. And then I asked them beforehand if I could 
if I could stay for the year because I had been offered a core contract with Colorado Ballet. So uh, I, they told me that they couldn't guarantee anything because they didn't offer until the end of the summer program. Um, so I should sign the contract to become a professional. So I was 18 years old. I was going to move to Denver, Colorado to join the Colorado Ballet. Um, and I... <laughs> I, I went to the SAB summer program, and lo and behold, the third day of the summer program, I was offered to stay on a full ride for the year at SAB. Um, I mean, I could have been, I could have become professional, but this was my dream. I couldn't, I couldn't let my dream slip through my fingers. So I called Colorado Ballet and I asked them if I could, uh, if, if 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 it was okay that I I didn't go there, and they asked me to follow through with my my agreement that I had signed to go to Colorado Ballet and I did some research on the laws and everything and I ended up breaking my contract with Colorado Ballet, taking a major, major risk to train one more year. Um, so yeah, I kind of destroyed that relationship with Colorado Ballet, went to SAB, had one of the best years of my life training in New York City, learning about Balanchine and the history of New York City Ballet and many companies in the countries that have... Uh, the genetics of New York City Ballet in it, the pedigree of New York City Ballet. Um, and at the end of that year, I was lucky enough to score a contract with Houston Ballet. So I went from Colorado Ballet, which is a very nice regional company, to Houston Ballet, which is a, a wonderful national company. Um, so I joined Houston Ballet, and it seemed like things were going really great at first. I was understudying or dancing featured roles as an apprentice. Um, in a company of over 50 dancers, which was thrilling. Um, and all of a sudden in January, my, the roles just started dropping off. Um, and now that I look back, I can tell that the director was like trying to give all the apprentices their chance to like really shine. Um, but at the time it felt like I was doing well. And then all of a sudden I was doing horribly. Um, so Houston ballet, they fire all their apprentices every year. I don't know if they still have this practice, but, um, you can only be an apprentice for one year. Um, and they have to let you know when letters of non of reengagement go out, if you're non reengaged or not. Um, so what they do down there is they fire all the apprentices and then as money becomes available or dancers leave and contracts become available, they rehire them into the court. So when I, based off of my artistic evaluation and my, um, just feeling like I wasn't dancing as much and then being fired without any say as to whether I was going to be hired into the court of ballet or not. Um, I felt that I needed to audition and Stanton was not very, uh, kind when it came to this. Cause I was trying to take days off so that I could audition and he didn't, he wouldn't grant them to me. Um, so in my very little free time, I went audition, but I found out I was, he, Stanton was helping another dancer look for work and um, I overheard that dancer saying that there was a job of like a, that Pacific Northwest Ballet was looking for a ma one male dancer. Um, and I was like, well, I need to do this. So I, I ended up uh, running to the computer in the physical therapy uh, office and during, during a five minute break. And I ended up auditioning PNB, not auditioning, emailing PNB and asking if I could audition. Um, and they said, sure, why don't you come in the next few days? And I was like, well, I can't really afford much. So can you ask a dancer to, uh, if I can stay with them in their apartment? And they got back to me and said, if you can get a flight out here, we will put you up in a hotel. So it was crazy. 
again, like I, I still thinking of these things. Like I, I forgot that until I just said it. Like I just asked them and they were generous enough to put me up in a hotel. So I talked to the company manager and I asked her to quietly help me out. And they were able to give me a voucher to fly on whatever airline was sponsoring the company. Um, so I, only had to pay like $300 round trip to go to Seattle and I just called out sick and the company manager covered for me and didn't tell Stanton because I was afraid that things would get bad if, if he found out. So um, I flew up to Seattle. I stayed in a hotel for two days that they put me up in um, and I, I took class and immediately after class, Kent Stowell brought me up to his office and he told me that he was going to hire me into the court of ballet. Um, and it was crazy because I had also auditioned for Boston Ballet and I was waiting to hear back from them. I was offered a, a contract with their second company, um, which was like a, a parallel transition, like a parallel step because their second company is like their apprentices. Um, I was at P&B, I was being hired into the core, which was a step up. Um, but yeah, so I remember Kent Stoll bringing me downstairs and starting to introduce me to people as one of next year's new dancers. I hadn't even signed a contract or determined if I was going to stay it. Um, but it, it all happened very fast. It was very exciting. And I went back to Houston Ballet and I didn't even wait and a- wait to ask Stanton if he was going to offer me a core contract. I um, just took P&B's contract. It felt right. Houston didn't feel right anymore. I didn't like the way I felt there. Um in the end, I'll never know if I was going to be offered a contract with them into the core, but I uh, I have my assumptions that I was going to be because there was a, a dancer in the school that was hired to become an apprentice, and around May, they they just flipped him up to the core. They like promote. They, they he didn't have to go through his apprenticeship. I'm assuming that that was my contract since they were planning on giving him an apprenticeship. Um, so yeah, that was. Definitely interesting how I ended up going to PNB. Um, PNB was actually, I don't feel like I had many like great controversies there. Like I really became an adult there. I had great experiences. I had bad experiences. Um, but there was never anything that was like really, really controversial that happened there. Um, towards the end, and I've talked about this a lot, so I'm going to go through it really fast. I just, I felt like I needed to expand myself as an artist and I felt kind of stagnant there. So I, I decided to audition for other companies and ended up at Ballet X in Philadelphia. Um, I've talked about this in great detail, so I'm going to go through this one really quickly. Um, Ballet X was really great in Philadelphia for the first five months that I was there, but I ended up getting injured. And because I was their first injury as a company, because it was their first year, they had a contract with a regular company instead of supporting me, um, in my injury, they had workers compensation for me. And when I found out and there were other things that happened, I ended up getting fired. Um, so that was very controversial. Um, the way that happened and it, it was it was just a bad bad situation and uh i know people are always like oh well this happened to me it was awful but i'm so glad it happened to me because look where i am now i can say that like i could honestly say that but i just i i think that everything works out in a certain way and i, I don't necessarily think that like it's good to be positive about it but i mean i wish i didn't have to go through that but i am happy where i am today so it's like some combination of that but um, that whole firing was very controversial because some things that I think were illegal were done and it involved people that are still very much in the dance world. Um, and I would love to have a, some type of relationship with them, but I, I just don't know 
when and how that could happen. So I, I don't feel negatively towards that, that experience anymore. And if I saw those people, um, I would be fine. I, I mean, I have actually reconnected with Matthew Neenan, um, but I, I haven't connected with the choreographer and the current director. Um, but like I said, I, I, I've, it's far enough in my history. And while I, I still have my thoughts and thoughts about that, um, I, I don't have, like, I don't sit every day, like stewing about like that. I feel like I was wronged. Um, so yeah, that was Ballet X. Then, so once I, what was constant next, next, okay, Barry, get your words together. Next, I ended up, uh, freelancing and I've talked about that a lot how it was mid-season I was injured I had to make money my husband had just started a business and he had moved twice for me and I couldn't make a move again so I started looking for work outside of Philadelphia and I started my four-year national freelancing career where I wasn't home for more than seven weeks uh I mean the most I was home was seven weeks twice in four years so that gives you an idea but um at this time I started blogging and this isn't controversial in a bad way but it was controversial at the time because um we're getting to a newer place in the dance world where people are talking a little bit more openly about what the experience is uh as a dancer what the experience is uh leading up to becoming a professional what it's like physically and emotionally as a dancer um and all the things that we have to deal with um back then that wasn't really a thing i was kind of a pioneer when it comes to like really putting out like the nitty-gritty details of what it takes to have a dance career um, so I started blogging and I talk about this at the end of every episode here on pot of chat, but I started life of a freelance dancer where I shared my experiences as an artist, as a dancer, as uh, a dancer finding work on, on a freelance basis as an independent contractor or my experiences dancing in major companies. Um, all, all of those things. I started talking openly about our field and there've been times I've had trolls. Um, some of them people I know, um, there have been times that people have quietly in the background thanked me for speaking openly about something that they were experiencing and felt like they were alone in that situation. Um, I, I've really like had the whole experience when it comes to like putting out both your personal and professional life online. Um, so it was actually quite controversial for me to start doing that. Um, and now it's, I, it's interesting to watch because it's not really as controversial for people to speak openly about this career anymore. And I, I do like to think that I, I deserve a little bit of credit for that because, um, my, my blog was popular and it, it got a lot of attention and feedback. And I think that it really showed a lot of people that you can talk about our career, um, without burning bridges in every single direction. Like it's, it's okay to talk openly and honestly about that. And I'm so grateful that I did that because if I didn't do that, A, I probably wouldn't have had a freelance career or, or at least not nearly as successful of a freelance career as I did. And then beyond all of that, like I got pot to chat talking dance through that blog. Um, and I got my, I, that gave me the experience of, uh, in dance writing that now allows me to write for dance media publications, which is dance magazine, point magazine, dance spirit and dance teacher magazine. So, um, through the controversy of all those things, I was able to make something, uh, very, inf something informational and something that has been very, uh, positive in my career. So yeah, I had my freelance career and then my, I've talked about this on here too. So I'm going to talk about fast when I burnt out and crashed and burnt in Oakland ball with Oakland ballet. 
I was hired by Oakland Ballet. They, they didn't provide housing or uh, fly dancers out to Oakland for their se- their spring season, but I'd convinced them to fly me out, and I did a home exchange um, through a benefactor of mine. She exchanged her Paris apartment for me to stay with somebody in San Francisco, and the day that I arrived in San Francisco, um, the person that I was supposed to live with, they ghosted me, and I practically lived like a homeless person, even though I had a home in Philadelphia. Um for five weeks and the director refused to help me out because I had agreed to find my own housing. So I was dancing full days, six, seven hour days. I was moving every few days. I slept on a couch every single night in people's homes that I didn't know um, until I got injured and had my career ending injury. But I was also so emotionally burnt out at that point that it's like I had physical and emotional injuries. I wasn't taking care of myself. And the reason I didn't was because I had been given this wonderful opportunity by a choreographer who is now a company director that I have so much respect for and I didn't want to let her down. So I stuck with it and I ended up pretty much ending my performance career. Um, And that was very challenging because like even at the end, like I finally found a place that I could stay in for free, sleep in a bed and five days before I was supposed to go home, um, I was injured. I wasn't dancing at this point, but I was still helping the company with their uh, with certain tasks. I ended up uh, the person that I was staying at their their apartment. They just rented out an Airbnb and kicked me out. And I didn't. I have never talked to the company to this day. I never even let them know that I was leaving. I just got on a flight and left. It was that bad. Um. So yeah, then I ended up burnt out. Uh. And I slowly made my way to Alaska, directing in Alaska, and then coming home and trying to make Philadelphia work. And when I wasn't fulfilled with the work in Philadelphia, I began super commuting, which, again, isn't like negative controversial, but most people wouldn't be able to handle the pressure of waking up at 630 in the morning to take a bus to New York City, sometimes taking a train to Greenwich, Connecticut, and then making the trip all the way back, going to bed at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, getting up at 630 again for as long as I did. So, um, yeah, it, there's been a lot of controversy in my career and a lot of amazing stories, a lot of emotional ups and downs. Um, but I'm really grateful for where I am. Uh, and like, I, like I was saying, while, while some of these things are more controversial and some are less, they have greatly shaped my career and the person I am today. So yeah, that's that. This has turned out to be a really long, really long episode. Um, while all, all of these experiences weren't necessarily my happiest or proudest moments, they've altered my life and they've set me on the path that I'm on and they have helped me gain greater success and understanding of our field. And I really feel that it, it helps me understand better how to work in our field and how to educate dancers and how to support dancers and how to push myself and others in a positive way. So yeah, I'm I'm curious uh what controversial things have you been a part of that have uh helped lead to your success even if it, it was painful for a little bit. Um if you if you want to share with me, please feel free to reach out to me uh via my social media channels or my website. Um and if I I think it's a really interesting story, perhaps I will share it on a future episode. Alrighty, this has been a long long one, so I'm I'm not going to go on any further. I'm just going to go into our outro. All right. 
I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. You can find them at premierdancenetwork.com. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is Beak Rollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com, and I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist and an independent contractor. You can also see my blog, Dancing Dancing Off Stage. That's a different one. Dancing Off Stage, you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I talk about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. You can also check out my choreography on my YouTube channel. And you can find that by going to youtube.com and typing in B Corollas in the search bar. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene. Thank you.